Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast, 439's After Show. It's the After Show, folks. We're here. Ready for it? Are you? Is the question. Am I personally yeah. ready? Are you ready? I mean, I've been more ready. I've been way less ready. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I definitely am not ready for that jelly. <laughs> no. All right. Well, welcome in, everyone. This is, of course, the Smashbox TV after show. <laughs> How the world are we on 439 episodes? I ask myself that every episode, Terry. How are we doing it to 440? Oh, my gosh. Uh, this is ridiculous. But tonight, uh, we're going to actually have uh, a little bit more structure. Quality and consistency. That's my answer, <laughs> yeah, Terry. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's what we provide. Uh, we're going to have a headliner here in just a few moments. Chrissy Fountain's going to be joining us. Uh, and then after we get uh, some great details and information from her, then... Uh, it, <laughs> then it'll really go off the rails into anything and everything, uh, and we'll take it from there. So I guess without further ado, we're going to get right to her, Chrissy Fountain. Hey, guys. Hi, How guys. How you doing? You so I'm great. I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. I really appreciate it. Of course. We, as much as I just ranted earlier about trying to get coverage as much as we could, uh, we, of course, are always supporting the FPO division, supporting uh, women's disc golf whenever we can, hosting symposiums and, and doing whatever we can. But uh, you're doing some big stuff down there in Texas, and we're here to learn more about it. So give us a scoop. Yeah, so uh, this is the first year of the Wildflower Disc Golf Tour. Um, this is a all-women's tour hosted by Women for Women that is consisting of eight PDGA-sanctioned events currently on the schedule, and we have three kind of auxiliary events. We have a juniors event, a mixed doubles event, and then a long-standing unsanctioned women's event that are kind of you know part of the tour as well. Um, 
On the schedule this year, we have five B slash C tiers. There'll be pro B and C tiers, um, two full B tiers, and one of the only women's only A tiers in the entire country. I think when I was looking through A tiers earlier, I saw maybe one other women's only. Um, so it's a really, really huge opportunity for us to have one of the only women's only A tiers in the country. You know, first of all, thank you for joining us. And then yes. secondly, to that, uh, we often have said, especially Johnny and I have said for so many years, hey, whatever we've been trying as a male-dominated sport with 93% of the population being male that play, mm-hmm. whatever we've been trying doesn't appear to be working very well in terms of getting more women to participate. So what are you guys doing? And you just said all women, for women, by women. What are you guys doing uh, to to get this get this thing off the ground. What, what, what have you found in some of your early successes? Well, so this all kind of started, we ran uh, WGE in 2021. Um, we being myself, Stephanie Vincent and Renee Farr. And uh, we had, you know, 72 women at our women's global event. It, it sold out and it was an incredible event. We worked really well together. So then in 2022, we said, hey, let's do this again. You know, let's run our own tournament. So we ran the WTF Open. Uh, WTF is Women Throwing Frisbees, the, the local Central Texas uh, Women's Disc Golf Club. Uh, the WTF Open, we ran that in April. And again, we had 72 women and we filled and it just kind of opened our eyes to the women are out there. You know, if there are tournaments that are tailored to women and they know that they are getting the platform, they're getting the stage, they're going to show up. And so we kind of, you know, said, let's make this a tour. You know, there's always one or two you know, good women's only events in Texas to look forward to, but why can't there be eight? Why can't there be 10 or 12? You know, like what's stopping us? Um, so, you know, we did some brainstorming and we came up with the concept of the wildflower disc golf tour. And, um, you know, I, I think that women show up to these tournaments because it's about them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and a lot of tournaments where there's 80% men and 20% women, it, it's not really about them. And at, at these tournaments, we give them the platform to showcase the, the events. Um, we had our first event this past weekend. It was called the Prickly Pear Classic. Uh, we have named all of our events after uh, after different wildflowers. So we have the Blue Bonnet Women's Open, the Primrose Classic, the Sunflower Showcase. Um, so this past weekend was the Prickly Pear Classic. It was a B tier in Austin, Texas, and we had 106 women come out for wow. the event. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, for your tour opener. For our tour, and it was a B tier. And you guys know the, the PDGA rule that, you know, all all competitors have to be PDGA current in order mm-hmm. to compete, right? Which a lot of times is a barrier to entry for women. Mm-hmm. They like, they want to compete, but they don't really want to compete, you know, enough times a year to make it worth getting that PDGA membership. Um, so the fact that we opened with a B tier and we had 106 women competing, um, you know, it was just really good affirmation that what we're doing is going to work and that what we're doing is important for the sport. Um, we had 18 FPO, <laughs> which is an incredible number uh, for, for a B tier. And uh, I mean, yeah, it was just incredible. Incredible weekend. Well, and I was about to ask where I could just uh, maybe look it up. Uh, you said 106 people, 106 women. And mm-hmm. I was going to say, how many uh, divisions did that span? Three, four, five, six, somewhere about almost 10 divisions or so? Yes. Yeah, and, that's correct. And, and is that going to be 
uh, as part of the tour, are those set divisions that you know people are essentially filling out, or is it going to be able to vary by event to event? Like, is there a structure to the tour points, so to speak, if there's tour points? Yeah. So, I mean, all of the same divisions will be offered at each event. You know, we did offer FP40 at this event, but we didn't have any women sign up for that specific division. We had a few who qualified, Mm -hmm. but I think they were more interested in playing in the FPO division and going for that bigger purse. We had Des Redding compete, Mm -hmm. um, who is definitely eligible for FP40. um, You mean to say barely. She's she's barely. (laughs) Barely. barely. There we go. That's much better. Um, But, you know, she got second place. She kicked Mm -hmm. butt. She she did really, really well out there. And uh, yeah, so there is a point system in place. Um, You know, there are going to be overall tour winners at the end of the year. So we are really trying to motivate all of these women to come back to our events and to play all of the events. Um, On the schedule, we have two in Houston, two in San Antonio, um, three in the Austin area. And then the last one will be kind of central uh, between all of those divisions in a town called Welder, Texas, where they have the ranch disc golf club, which is a newer course. Wow. And, uh, also, I got to get this in there. Not only assistant tournament directing, but also cashing in the event is yourself. Yes. Uh, so, yes. so, so she's running events so she can cash. Yeah. I like it. I like it. That's a great plan. I mean, clearly there's some distractions, and your mind probably wasn't focused exclusively on playing your best golf. But uh, you played good enough golf to to get into the cash. That's got to feel good. Uh, yeah. I also had COVID like the oh. week before, oh, so okay. um, I. Yeah, not really a well-known fact that I've kind of thrown out there, <laughs> um, but I didn't get any practice rounds in the week before the event because I was focusing on getting my body healthy, um, aside from some backyard putting sessions. So, you know, it was a course that I knew that I was familiar with. So I, I said, I know the shots. I know what I need to do. You know, I was even on Friday, I was still on the fence of whether I was going to play or not. Um, and then I woke up Saturday morning and I felt like, okay, none of this is in my system anymore. I feel like a normal human being again. So let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. So, uh, and it's great cause I'm, I'm recognizing so many of the names, especially in your FPO division, uh, Jill, who I first met, uh, at the, uh, Phoenix ladies open a couple years ago. Yeah. It was very impressive. I know she moved from Arizona over to Texas. Of course, everyone yep. knows Des, uh, mm-hmm. Aria Castrita. Also, I see down Peter the list. Jay, of the year. Yep, yep. Her sister, Melody, uh, out there. Mm-hmm. Stephanie Vincent, who I know is a, a staple in the in the Texas disc golf mm-hmm. scene and then some. So uh, mm-hmm. awesome. Awesome to see. Now, uh, is there any uh, commonality or consistency in terms of the events structure? Meaning, are they uh, always going to be a single day event or will some play? Well, if there's an A tier, that's going to play over multiple days. But what was that conversation like in terms of if you guys were worried about any kind of theme or or event consistency or, or sure. does that not that matter? Looks, no, it's a valid question. Um, the, the way that we're structuring this is, you know, we have brought in some very reputable tournament directors in the Houston and the San Antonio uh, areas to help us run these events. Um, and, the way that we have it structured right now is those tournaments that we're like outsourcing to different TDs are going to be one day. And those are the ones that are going to be B, pro B, and C tiers. Okay. Um, we were going to make them all C tiers to kind of eliminate that barrier to entry of being PDGA current. Um, however, the majority of them have come to us and said, hey, we have clubs backing us who have offered to put up the $750 added cash. So can we make ours a B tier? And the best solution that we landed on was like, 
you know, I, I think a pro B tier and C tier is an amazing solution because the $750 cash is what's going to attract the pros to our event, right? They're mm-hmm. going to come where the money is. And then offering it as an AMC tier, we'll, we still won't have to worry about that barrier to entry, right? Mm-hmm. And we have worked it out and we've got enough support from our sponsors and from our local clubs to where the pay, the players packs and the payout value for the AMs is still going to be equivalent to a B tier, even sure. though on paper it's a C tier. Um, and so I think it's a wonderful solution to, you know, attract pros to our events and to also, you know, make it really open for all women who are just starting to play in tournaments um, or who, who are seasoned amateurs. All right. Um, all right. This you- is <laughs> good. <ahead. laughs> The B tiers that we're running. So the one we ran this past weekend and then the finale in November, the WTF open, those are going to be two day events um, that we kind of wanted to keep. Uh, we wanted them to be ran internally. So within our wildflower administrative team, those are our events plus the A tier. So yeah, three days for the A tier, two days for the B tiers, and then one day for the C tiers is the structure. Okay. Uh, what I was going to say is this sounds great and all, but what haven't you thought of? I mean, come on. Do you guys have it all put together already? What, what haven't you thought of? Um, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. My my mother-in-law texted me afterwards because we have a company called Meridian Hive who's sponsoring us and they make, uh, they make wonderful meads. They're so good. Mm. And they're donating cases of meads, uh, to basically after each event. And she texted me and she said, just a suggestion. You should make a sign that's laminated that says these are adult beverages for people over 21 to enjoy after the event. So I guess we didn't think about that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Some signage. You, there are a few rules in Texas, I've heard. So, and, yeah. and uh, 21 is legal drinking age t- still, right? There, right? Yes, that yeah, is okay, correct. Okay. 21. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, no, you know, we have, uh, we have a fantastic team. Renee Farr is an extremely seasoned TD. She has a lot of events under her belt. Um, you know, Stephanie Vincent has been uh, on the scene for such a long time. She knows what makes a good women's event as does des when we put all four of our heads together there's hardly anything that we leave unturned um we also have a ton of support from mint discs uh zach jansen runs the heart of texas tour the hot tour Mm -hmm. and he's kind of the one who helped us get this off the ground as far as like our initial branding and kind of some initial funding too and with his experience running tournaments as well we've just had a really amazing team and a really amazing support system uh that's not going to allow us to fail i mean if we were going to fail we would have to try to fail (laughs) (laughs) that's good well and and this weekend i think and and she even said she felt a little uncomfortable but uh des was uh driving i think to an event to the event maybe and uh was singing was doing a little uh singing as she was pulling into it for one of her songs one of her favorite songs from when she was a kid and uh so that just got me thinking about her being involved her playing in the event of course taking second but just the like you said the the background the experience that she has had her personally i mean just was such an asset and then to know that when you put an entire collection of of these uh enthusiasts together uh it it should make for you know dotting all the i's and crossing all the t's so absolutely you know stephanie vincent and i played in a tournament a few weeks ago and 
one of the first questions whenever we were at hole one and we were kind of getting the briefing of how the how the day was going to go, you know, kind of the OB rules. They said, do you have any questions? And the first thing we asked was, did you end up putting a porta potty, you know, on the other side of this course? It's something that we've asked year in and year out. I've been playing this event for the past five years. And the answer was no. And it was like, guys, like this isn't anything new. We ask for this every single year. Like, why can't you accommodate this? And so those are the kind of things that we're taking really, really seriously. Those are the things that make a difference for a women's event. Um, not not taking any shortcuts on stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, I guess my follow-up to that would be, what? Um, wh- where do you guys need help uh, in terms of either day of or anything else prepping into these events? Is there is there a, a volunteer pool or chart or list or, or communication that people should be able to reach out to you if you guys need other assistance? Yeah. So the way that we handled it for the Prickly Pear Classic is we actually made a general general registration through Disc Off Scene specifically for volunteers. Mm. And so they were able to go and register as a volunteer for a $0 fee, obviously. And in that kind of registration area, they were able to put what jobs they preferred. Do you mm. prefer spotting? Do you prefer running water? Um, you know, making sure that the snack stations are filled up. So we really wanted to make sure that the volunteers were doing what they wanted to do. And um, we had we opened up 20 volunteer spots was how we kind of um like capped it, I guess. Uh, but we probably had close to 40 people show up both days to help us out. It was really incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the what's the most sought after uh, volunteer job that people were like feels like it's so, sold out right away? Um, spotting. 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 OK. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's kind of the most straightforward. And I think people come into it and they have our spotters were getting into it. You know, I mean, it, <laughs> nice. it, it was it was really incredible. And uh, helping with check-in, I think a lot of a lot of our volunteers wanted to do that. Like, oh, I'll, I'll help players, you know, pick out their discs for their players' packs. You know, I, I know a lot about the discs, and so I can I can help and I, you know that kind of stuff. But really, they just were so whatever you guys want us to do, we'll do it. You know, no 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 questions asked at all. Uh, and, and then speaking of wearing different hats and taking on different roles, it, it feels as if you've kind of made that a, an initiative of your own uh, in saying that you're not as concerned about your play as you are being a promoter. Is that kind of the, where you where you feel like, uh, I, I don't know, is that more satisfying for you or where do you stand with your playing career? Oh, man, that's such a hard question. <laughs> um, so I transitioned to full-time disc golf back in May. Uh, I worked in commercial construction for eight years, and I hung that hat up in May. And uh, I started by, you know, working a few hours at the Mid-Disc Warehouse. And then uh, it came to me one day, like, hey, I want to run a Flex Start C-tier every Friday. I'm going to call it Fuego Friday. And it just became its own thing. It became a brand. I have this following. I get, you know, between 70 to 90 players come out to this flex start every week. And it opened up a whole new side of disc golf to me that I didn't even really know about before. Uh, I want to be a jack of all trades. I want to be a good player, but I also be quality events and I want to be involved in growing work for women. Um, I know that it's, hard to do it all. Um, but now that I have invested my life into disc golf, I'm determined to make it work. I'm signed up for the first six disc golf pro tour events this year. So, wow. you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> wow. And, and that I, 
yeah, that's awesome. Uh, of course, I think back to the time we first met. That was in Jonesboro. Mm-hmm. You had uh, yep. put together the the hottest round or one of the hottest rounds uh, mm-hmm. during the the opening round of Jonesboro, and just as you were explaining. Your your life, your world was in a, a different state at that point. And so here we are a few years later, the fact that you've made disc golf a career and and, and even in starting that to where it's slowly transi- transitioned into a, a you know, a tangent of that original idea. It's it's absolutely incredible. Thank you. Uh yeah, I, I really appreciate it. One of the first big projects that I took on when I started working full-time with Mint is submitting a bid to run U.S. Women's. Uh, Zach came to me one day and said, hey, what do you think about submitting a bid to run a major? And I said, let's do it. (laughs) I mean, let's dive headfirst into it. And we spent hours and hours and hours putting together that bid. You know, we poured our hearts and souls into it. One of the biggest kind of undertakings that we did was we reached out to all of the local businesses and clubs and individuals who have an impact in our disc golf community and asked for a letter of support. We had a template that we shot over to them and said, hey, you know, here's some basic wording if if you would like to use this. If not, you can change it however you want. But basically, it's just saying, hey, you know, we know Zach, we know Chrissy, we know that they're going to do whatever it takes to put on a good event. We are in complete support of having U.S. Women's here in 2024. And I think we ended up turning in at upwards of 60 to 70 letters with our wow. U.S. Women's bid. Amazing. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. And? Yeah. And? And we won. <laughs> we won. So I'm really, really stoked to announce that, yeah, U.S. Women's is going to be coming to Round Rock, Texas in 2024. So we wow. have our work cut out for us because we're also going to be try to keep expanding the wildflower tour. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of my whole life right now is how do I make this tour bigger? How do I reach more women? How do we keep growing this thing? Oh yeah. And then let's run a major next year. Yeah. yeah, Just throw that in there. Sprinkle that on on top. Uh, so speaking to your, you know, what you're planning on doing in terms of playing in Mm -hmm. pro tour events and the commitments you have from, from the professional side of playing, Mm -hmm. how, how much was taken into consideration as you guys were building your schedule out? in terms of where other pros pro women might play or where you might be able to attract a few or or if you're not at all concerned about what's happening we'll say on the the national level while you guys are hosting this you know somewhat more regional uh tour series what what considerations were were in place I think the main consideration that we took into place was scheduling the A tier um okay. obviously we want to get as many big names as possible And our A tier is essentially the week before the West Coast swing starts, before everybody goes out to California for the OTB Open. So we are hoping that, you know, some of the big names, some of the big women will come and play on our A tier before they head out to California would be ideal. Um, Other than that, you know, it wasn't really a huge concern. We had, you know, we knew that we had two sold out events in 2021. 2021 and 2022 and that filling these kind of local more regional events was a really strong possibility um so definitely the a tier was our kind of our our biggest concern and when we were going to schedule that um kodo is a historic tournament it's 32 years running um so the way that we did it this year is it's split between a men's weekend and a women's weekend Mm. um so the women's weekend is that may 5th through 7th that first weekend Mm -hmm. um in may and then the men's will be the ninth through the 21st i think or the 17th through the 19th somewhere in that range two weekends after okay yeah it's uh, i i think that's just it i think about wisconsin for instance we have a 30-year tour that takes place and 
some events are more concerned about, you know, can we attract a few of the big names when they're in kind of in the area? Silver Cup has been one of those events that Jim Van Lannen has put on that's been on the Silver mm-hmm. Series and so forth. But then other events are like, no, we run a really great regional event and mm-hmm. we're not as concerned about having some uh, of the touring pros come by. So I think I think people just have to be cognizant of what their their mission is and what their objectives are if they're trying to appease to a national audience and national players or, or more local or they want to keep it a little bit more local. Is, is there a I, I know it's kind of a daunting question, but is there a is there a magic number or cap or goal of events uh quantity of events that you see you know for for a tour year um 52 no i don't know i don't know if there's really a specific goal okay. in mind we, we thought that eight was a good number for the mm-hmm. first year we wanted to have enough that we could you know to where women could play enough events to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm a part of this tour. You know, I, I played all these events this year um, and that we could manage. Right. But we didn't mm-hmm. want to have so many that we get too overwhelmed. There is definitely a possibility of us adding um, maybe another event or two this year in some locations that we haven't really tapped into yet. Um, but we're treading very lightly with that because we really don't want to get in over our heads um this first year but really you know our goal for this tour we would love to expand outside of texas you know we would love for there to be a wildflower tour slash north carolina you know wildflower tour slash wisconsin you know wherever there wherever we know that there's a really strong population of female disc golfers you know we'd love to expand this to to different states um and and there's so many ways that you can structure that where like, you know, each region has their own point system. That way, you know, women don't feel like they have to travel out of state to, you know, still get points. Um, but eventually for us to just be able to offer support to TDs in other states to encourage them to kind of start up the same thing that we're doing, because the more women's only events that we can get on the sport, the better. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think of, the, you know, the Midwest, we have a, a, a women's Midwest tour that takes place that yeah. utilizes uh, events in Indiana and Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, and so mm-hmm. forth. And, and then of course we see series that are built, you know, exclusively within a state as well. You know, I spoke earlier of, uh, of Christy, uh, Christine King, uh, KK. Uh, yeah, and the yeah. Poppy series and things that they've been doing. And I know Oregon has their, you know, an entire series uh, very specific to uh, women series. Um, what are, what would you say is the number one thing you've learned or seen or experienced or heard about that has been successful with some of the other women's only events or, or women's only series even? Has there been any really big, um, you know, note that was that was uh, jotted down or, or taken to heart? Really just the fact that all of these series are ran by women. <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't see any of these other series. You, you don't ever really see, you know, a random Joe who's on the street who's like, hey, I'm going to put together eight events for, for, for women. You know, it's always women who are doing this and um, it's always women who are taking the initiative to put on these events for other women. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where the inspiration came from, you know, seeing these other successful tours and these other successful series and knowing that so far there's nothing like that in Texas um, or really, you know, in surrounding states. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I think of the 
just the overall series, like you you mentioned earlier, the the hot series and um, all of the series that take place, but to have them focus exclusively on the FPO or I keep saying FPO on women's divisions, uh, all women's divisions, I, I think is yeah, it's just incredible, and it it also speaks to the viability and the growth of our sport in general. The fact that we can, you know, when you have a hundred and twenty women show up, I mean that had to be heartbreaking uh, last year when you have. Two events where you have a, a cap of 72 and you probably had to turn away a, a couple of women. I mean, who who would have ever guessed, right, that you'd have to turn away women competitors at an event? Yeah, we're probably going to face some of that um, with the C, with the Pro B uh, AMC tiers that we're going to be running. Um, but I think it's also nice to create that sense of urgency. I think that when COVID came around, uh, you saw this massive surge in tournament registrations where as soon as registration would open within like 20 minutes, all of these tournaments would be filled, right? Now that it, this, I don't want to say the sport is starting to plateau by any means because it's still growing at a phenomenal rate. Um, but it doesn't seem like people are, are as quick, you know, to go in and register for tournaments. And there seems to just be a little bit more, time to get registered for these events. Um, but we want to keep that sense of urgency. You know, we want to say, Hey, we created something amazing that's in high demand. Be ready for registration as soon as it opens and, and register. So that's kind of our goal. Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, the beverages and I believe you've, uh, indicated or mentioned mint as well. Is there any other, uh, companies or supporters or sponsors that are kind of globally supporting uh, the entire series or uh, in its so entirety? One of the very, very first companies to reach out when they saw about Wildflower Disc Golf Tour, about kind of what we had going on here in Texas was T-Box Socks. Oh, nice. And Chris reached out to me and he was like, I don't care what it takes. I love what you guys are doing. This is amazing. This is necessary. We need this in the sport. We are here to help however we can. Um, so he is donating 20 pairs of socks per event. Um, so that's like the 160 pairs of socks over the entire year. And he's basically taking our logo and turning them into these socks. And they're so cute. I wish I had a pair with me right now, but, um, you know, we had, we, we gave one to each of the division winners this past weekend. And then the rest of them, we split between selling and raffle items. And those socks were sold out within two hours on Saturday morning. Nice. I mean, it was incredible. Um, so they've been really, really helpful. Uh, we have three C discs. Who's another local manufacturer here in Texas. They were very quick to hop on board too. We have planet K. I don't know if you guys have heard about planet K, but they're a really renowned, kind of um smoke slash toy slash disc off like not not that kind of toys but just like <laughs> kind of like random like random gift shop kind of stuff and uh they sell innova discs in their in all of their stores in austin and mint is actually became only the second manufacturer to be carried in their stores awesome. um so they were really quick to jump on board as well and uh yeah, I mean, it's been incredible the amount of support. We've tried reaching out to a few other, you know, bigger names, non-disc golf companies. Uh, we've gotten kind of mixed feedback. Yeah, we're interested, but this is also your first year. You know, maybe if you guys have a good first successful year and prove yourself, we'll be interested next year, which is totally understandable. You know, it's it's totally fine. We're new. We're establishing ourselves. Um, but that's why we, you know, we appreciate the heck out of all the sponsors who have really gone out on a limb and, and put their faith in, in us and in what we're doing. Yeah, it's um, 
like you said, with the the people, the resources, the years of experience, uh, it sounds you guys have so many of your bases covered, and it, you're off in the right direction. Is there is there an overarching goal? Uh, any, and I know that's kind of. Uh, that's a, she already told you 52 weeks. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't mean gold necessarily of events, but do you feel like, you know, I, I guess I could reword that and say, what would, what would success look like at the end of the year for you guys? Um, success at the end of the year for us is, it's so hard to quantify because it would be so easy for me to say success is a full event at every event, you know, success comes with an X amount of women registered. But really, you know, success is just knowing that that we put ourselves out there and we provided something unique for the for the text for the Texas disc golfers and something that they really found value in and that they're gonna share and that they're gonna come back to and they're gonna be excited for next year. We have really, really big, huge overarching goals. Um you know, I kind of feel like Jen talking about Zuka, right? Like, I don't know if I can really say all of them, but uh, <laughs> we we do. We have we have big plans and big aspirations, and um, I think that the work that we have put into this year and getting it off the ground, and the fact that we have U.S. Women's next year, we just have really good momentum to to make this thing huge, to make this really big. Uh, I I'm excited to then see how it all plays out. I, I have full faith in you guys. Um. Ah, what was I going to ask you now? I apologize. Can you hand me that thing on the <laughs> on the wall of our pen? So I'm going to show you guys something. Okay. Uh, one of the kind of the things that we did for this year is we got <laughs> pens, like those enamel pens that people put on their bags, or mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we have one for each event, and they're always going to be part of the players' packs. And so the only way to collect these pens is to come to the tournaments, right? So we have. I made these kind of like felt little sheet that kind of displays some of our pins. And um, so this was our prickly pear classic. Um, this is the first one that all the women were able to collect with their, with their players pack. And at each event, they're going to collect another one. And so we kind of wanted there to be more goals of playing all of the events than just like, Hey, I'm trying to get points. You know, we're trying to like, you can only get these in the players packs. And so we want players to come just so that they can get this little collectible item. You know, we're just trying to think of small things like that to really keep women engaged and to keep them coming back to our events. Wow. And that's a perfect answer or a a perfect remark to what I was going to ask, which is how, where are you guys finding success in getting women onto the course? And I think like, it's great. You're going to have this tour and you're going to, you know, get all this competitive, um, you know, experience going, but just getting women onto the course, like what's been successful in getting the numbers to exist in the first place. That that was what my question was going to be. Well, I think we're really lucky that Texas in general has an incredible women's scene. Okay. I think that we're incredibly lucky to have names like Des Redding and Stephanie Vincent um, backing us. I think that that gives us a ton of merit to what we're doing, um, you know, and, and I think that the events that we put on in the past couple of years were a really good foundation to show women we're going to take care of you guys. We're going to give you guys a good event, um, you know. 
we we post teasers on on our Instagram of hey you know this is what the players pack is going to be or hey you know this is the ten hours that we just spent at the Met Center this weekend uh, the week before the event marking all of the OB lines you know just being really transparent in all of the effort that we're putting in I think is helping us kind of get that return and people saying you know they're they're doing everything that they can to take care of us. They're thinking of every single detail. Like we're going to be at that event. Okay. I, I details. The details matter. Details. They do, and and that's what I was just going to say. Is like, is it women bringing out other women? Is it there's just an influx of 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 girlfriends and wives that have taken to it because there's a great disc golf scene in general, and and then you know like those are all the types of things I think of. How do we just get more women to the course? Some of them convert to league members, to PDGA members, to tournament players, and some don't. But just uh, the 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 sheer number. Uh, and the pool of women that are there and available to to even make up a series, I think it's incredible. I think that in itself is a success uh, because yeah. oftentimes we go to other states and they're like, yeah, there's like nine women that visit this park all month, you know, and that's it. So clearly you guys have a good pool of that. Of you know, if you go and you look at an at- a, a co-ed event, you know, a, an event being a sanctioned event where there's men and women's division offered in Texas, you're not going to find the numbers that we had at our event. You know, like I can tell you, I have an A tier coming up right now and there's seven FPO players signed up. We had 18 this past weekend. Sure. Why aren't there 18 women at this A tier that's coming up? You know, like what is the difference I really think that having all women's events just creates a safe space. It creates a platform. It creates camaraderie that women don't get at other tournaments. And I think that that's a big part of how we're drawing all of these women out to these events. Um, I, you know, I saw so many comments on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, I'm going to be back for all of them and I'm going to bring a friend next time, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I think that has a lot to do with it. I really, really do. Um, I don't know why there is seven women at a A tier with $3,000 of added cash. Um, and there's 18 at a B tier with $750 added cash. Like there's so many reasons that go into that, that it's just hard to kind of narrow it down to one reason. But I think it's just like women know that it's about them at these events. And so they're more inclined to, to come out and to, and to be a part of it and to support what we have going on here. I think you're right, because for the longest time, like it or not, the FPL field has always felt like an afterthought, whether it was mm-hmm. course design, whether it's added cash. And a lot of times, unfortunately, it was because there was only two or three yep. or one woman mm-hmm. FPL player or even, you know, maybe three or four total women in the entire field that it, you know, I hate to say it like that, but it could be treated like an afterthought. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, there are times I know Terry has gotten trophies and there's been nobody to take the trophy. And it's yeah. And, and so when we can show or when you can show the the dedication to an entire event dedicated to women, I think that draws a lot of women out that they know that this is a, a an event for them, regardless of skill level. Mm-hmm. But obviously mm-hmm. the competition is there. 
as opposed to being an afterthought or whatnot. And and I believe I do believe that's changing in a lot of bigger events like your A tiers. I think we're going mm-hmm. to because of the wildflowers and things of that nature, we're going to see larger women's fields start to show up when when you can show that no, we we do care about you. Like you said, the even things like the porta potties. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it does did has there you know, I, I don't know what A tier we're talking about, and I don't want to speculate. But has there been bad history with that with that particular A tier in the past, or ones like it? Someone that runs it, and that that all feeds into a lot of this stuff. So it it's it's amazing what you guys are doing down there. Yeah, thank you. You know, it it, it there's things that I think that tournament directors can do to attract more women. You know, one thing that we face a lot is, okay, your A pool is MPO, FPO, MP40, and MA1, right? Like, that's your A pool. What does that mean for the one women's division that's in that pool? That means that we're getting rated against MPO players, MP40 players, and MA1 players. Every single event, that's a common denominator, being on the TD side of things, I know how much effort it takes for a tournament director to change one par or change one hole where we might play the short box instead of the long box, which essentially would give us our own pool and allow us to be rated against each other and not against all of these men. It's not a big ask. It's not a big ask. And if women know that tournament directors are doing those kind of things for them, I think they'll be a lot more likely to come to these events. Um, and, and by these events, I mean like co-ed events, right? Events mm-hmm. where you're offering men's divisions and women's divisions. It's feedback that I, you know, you can, you can submit event feedback at the end of every event that you play in, right? Almost every single event that I play in, that's always my feedback. Make the FPO their own pool so that we can be rated against each other because we don't want to be rated against a bunch of thousand rated disc golfers. Like, you know, if there's a course that's a par three course, but those par threes are 380 to 400 feet, you know, for the majority, especially of local FPO players, that's a drive and upshot and a putt. And for MPO players, that's more potentially a park job and a birdie. Right. And so we, my, our, our scores don't reflect and our ratings don't reflect the kind of effort that we're putting in and the kind of rounds that we're putting together. Um, you know, so I, I think that there are other things that tournament directors can do besides offering porta potties um, to get women to their events, to, to their events. And I, and I don't know if that is just not being relayed to them, you know, I, like they might not even know, like I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Right. Um, but I, you know, there's things that can be done to get more women to your events. And I just had a phone call with a guy who was who was running to run an event today, and he said, "What can I do to get more women at my event?" And that was the first piece of advice I gave him. I said, "Make sure that the women are rated against each other and not against your pro and your MP40 guys. It's really important." Yeah, and and some of that, some of the challenge even within that can be. Do you have enough women to make sure that there's enough propagators so that there is mm-hmm. so they get a rating versus not? Yep. So it, there's a little bit of buildup where you need the the 
you know, a minimum quantity of, of women or people that fit that criteria to then, uh, you know, get their own rating. And, uh, and I, it's funny because as you're saying all that, I'm just reflecting on, you know, the event, one of the few events that I'm down to running in November. And, and, and quite honestly, I mean, I, I helped uh, design the course, but I look at it and I think the course itself, just purely by its design from 10 years ago, it's not a great course for women's play, just based mm-hmm. on purely on uh, average skill level for women competitors. It's not. It's it's in fact probably got to be a relatively boring or terrible course. And mm-hmm. so if women are staying clear of, of my event for th- that being one reason, uh, a, I understand it, and B, I, I do think to myself, man, is there an e- is there is there an easier practical way for me to change that? Um, you know, if I can't go install new tees or new pins, you know, right. what's the most practical way to change that? But yeah, it's it's there. There are so many different factors, as you're saying, porta potties, things of that nature. Some of those basics are some of the low hanging fruit, some of the easy. Very obtainable mm-hmm. things, and then there might be some, um, you know, some you know deeper, more challenging uh, hurdles to overcome. But at the end of the day, I think one of the biggest is what you've touched on, which is to have women, you know, create that environment. Uh, I feel it seems to be uh, a large part of its success of just the overall feeling and perception of being at this event that's created by women for women. I think that helps and it's it's too bad yeah. we have to, you know, that that's such a key component, but the fact is somebody like yourself is recognizing it and you're you're going all in on it and I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I will say that we we do have an advantage um when we're running a tournament for women, like for the Prickly Pear Classic, we had three different layouts, you know, the FPO and the FA1 and the FP40s. We were kind of in our our own pool. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we played, it was a mixture of longs and shorts at this specific course. Um, and then, you know, the B pool, your FA2, your FA3, uh, divisions, they played kind of just like a, a shorter layout than that. They played more from the short tees, but then we we were able to put the novice and the juniors divisions in even their own, mm-hmm. um, pool. And, you know, we were able to make short, shorter tee pads for them too. And, uh, I think that, having that perspective, like as a woman <laughs> and knowing, um, that that is something that can add a lot of value to the tournament is really important. And I'm not saying that like the rating system is perfect because in like everybody knows the rating system is not perfect. Um, but the first day, the way that the FPO finished, Aria was the highest rated player in our division and she had an incredible round, but it rated at her rating because she was like the highest and she was the highest rated. And Mm so after the first day, it was like, okay, Aria was in first. And then this person with the second highest rating was in second. And the person with the third highest rating was in third. And so everybody really shot like what their rating was. And so, you know, like sometimes there's something we can do, um, to kind of like fix the ratings. That's like not really what we're trying to do. But then the second day, you know, we had 20 mile an hour wind gusts that we didn't face before. And sure. we did some math after the event. And on average, the course was four played four strokes harder than it did mm. the day before. Um, the plus one that I shot on Saturday was rated 904. And on Sunday, the plus one was rated 950. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much variables in the rating system and how it can be affected. And so I'm not saying that, you know, making our own pool is like the end all be all answer to how you can get more women to your event, but it at least shows us that it's something that you're thinking about and that yeah, you're being sure. considerate of. Mm-hmm. Makes that makes perfect sense. Wow. Uh, so uh, kind of normally we obviously, you know, tell people to shout out sponsors and such, which we want to welcome you to do. But in addition yeah. to that, what, where are where are some uh, ways that people can support you guys, the tour, albeit a, in a, or sorry, in an, an individual event or the entire tour? Like what are some of the types of things that uh, you guys would be looking for? Uh, money. Okay. <laughs> uh, sponsorship. Good night. Sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, no, yeah. I'm kidding. No, I'm I mean, kidding. you'll take money, but yeah. Right. No, no, no. We, <laughs> any, any kind of support that we can get is phenomenal. You know, we, we have big raffles that we put on. So any kind of merch that anybody would want to donate, we're obviously going to be open to that. Um, you know, our goal as the Wildflower admin is to provide as much support to the TDs who are not necessarily part of our admin team, you know, like, okay, we're going to cover your sanctioning fee. We're going to pay a hundred dollars towards whatever your permit fee is for the course that you're reserving. Um, so, you know, those are ways that we're trying to help the other events. Um, and so, you know, we're not just saying like, Hey, we need money because we want to run our own big events. You know, we're trying to help our smaller events be extremely successful too. Um, but just like recognition, you know, I have reached out to several different disc golf podcasts, um, kind of gave the same pitch that I sent you today. Like, Hey, I know this is really random and this kind of feels like a cold call, but my name is Chrissy and I'm starting this tour. Like we're starting this tour and we have all these events. Like, please let me come on your podcast so that I can talk about what we're doing because we have really good intentions and what we're doing is really important for the sport of disc golf. And you're the first person to, to, to message me back and say, let's do it. And, uh, you know, so any, just spreading the word, just sharing our Instagram posts, sharing our Facebook posts, like that in itself is just insurmountable support to us. Um, the more we can get known and the more that people recognize what we're doing, the better. So it really, it's as easy as that to support us. Awesome. Well, and they could give you money. And money. And money. Yeah, and they can give us money. We're never going to say no to money. Write a check. All yes, right, definitely. Chrissy. Well, uh, of course, as we're here in the beginning of the year and you already have, you know, one event in the books and uh, we're excited. Your uh, excitement and enthusiasm is, of course, infectious, as I'm sure you've been told before. And we wish you nothing but the best. Is there is there anything you want to say you. before we uh, let you go tonight? Um, I'll see you guys in the Texas swing. <laughs> All right. And uh, yeah. And thank you for for having me on tonight. It's, you know. Things like this go a really, really long way for us. So just thank you very, very much. You are absolutely welcome. Uh, yeah, we are we are glad to be here to provide the platform that we can in, in our ways. And of course, it's it's so much there's so much value in us truly knowing more about what you're doing. So then when we do have the questions of who's doing what and where, you know, we can, we can speak somewhat intelligently of it. Well, well we try to. And, yeah, I uh, would recommend. Yeah, um, I love it. Yeah, our website is really easy. It's www. 
WFDGT Wildflower Disc Golf Tour, WFDGT.com. And that has all of our events listed out. I, I do want to mention really quick, I know this is a little, a little getting a little bit long-winded. Um, <laughs> it's a, yeah, you, there's no such thing on You've watched our show, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. We don't know what that means. Um, okay, good. I'm fitting right in. That's perfect. Um, a couple of really uh, good opportunities that we've had this year. We were able to partner with the NADGT, mm. and we are offering invitations to qualifier spots for the winners in – uh, FA1, FA2, FA3, and all the junior divisions. So the winners in those divisions from each event will automatically get an invite to compete at the NADG ta- NADGT Nationals in Austin in October. Um, so that is a really cool opportunity. At the beginning of the year, we were also able to partner with the PDGA and do a membership grant program where we took applications and we were able to award 20 PDGA memberships to women. And uh, we had over 50 applicants, which was really, really incredible. And uh you know, we, we spent a few days thumbing through the applications and it was really, really hard to decide who to pick because everybody deserves it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were able to award 20 new PDGA memberships this year. Wow. And I think that like 16 of those were at the Prickly Pear, Cla- Prickly Pear Classic this past weekend. So, um, you know, we, we've had some really good connections that have allowed us to do some really impactful things in our first month of this tour being in existence. That's incredible. And as she just said, WFDGT.com. I'm out on the site looking at it right now. Looks nice and colorful. And of course, right in front of you is all the event dates. You can't miss them. As soon as you pull it up on the website, they're right there. Uh, April 15th listed as the next event, uh, the Blue Bonnet Women's Open. And they have all the registration info out there along with all the different events. Uh, Almost I was going to say roughly one per month, two in May, but then uh, almost one per month uh, after that. So nice and spaced out, and you guys should make sure you check it out, WFDGT.com. Chrissy. We're taking uh, it off July and August because July and August in Texas is crazy. Like nobody oh, wants to mess get around. There or? <laughs> you know, just a little bit. <laughs> we were there for uh, 2002, uh, 2002 Worlds yeah. in Houston. That uh, was it's brutal. 105, 110 yes. degree heat. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's intense. I'm taking that one. We took a gamble within, within a January event because January can be like 80 degrees and sunny in Texas, or it can be six degrees and five inches of snow. Like you just never know. (laughs) So the the disc golf weather gods were kind to us this past weekend. Um, It was amazing. And, uh, you know, we're stoked for the rest of the events. Of the well, year. that is just a sign of a, a great year to come. And we That's wish right. you guys nothing but the best to all of the TDs, to all of the sponsors, uh, to your core group of admins and all the hard work that we know you guys are going to put in. Uh, we love it. And we wish you the best of luck here in the 2023 season. And and, and we know in uh, two or four or 10 years, we're going to be talking about how this is the, the biggest women's tour in the country. And uh, we wish nothing but the best for you guys. Thank you so much. Thank You're you welcome. so much. Have I a great night. See ya. All right. Bye bye. You too. Good night. Sounds like she's got her stuff together. I was just going to say. I mean, uh, that's what it looks like when you like think things out and you, you do great work. Plan and, and oh my gosh, you stupid you, overachievers. I tell you. 
They make us all look bad. I'm glad she just... No, here's what I'm glad. I'm glad she doesn't do a podcast because she'd crush ours. Uh, nonetheless, hopefully you guys got tons of great information. If you're anywhere in the Texas area, uh, clearly there's some events that it sounds like you need to be hitting up. It's truly what it sounds all like. All listed right there uh, for the wildflower disc golf tour uh which states the wildflower disc golf tour is focused on fostering a healthy and a an active women's disc golf tour in the state of texas by working with impactful female leaders from various regions across the state we will create memorable events on and off the course culminating each year with the wtf open as the tour championship love so. the name it, uh, yeah, that women, uh, women throwing frisbees event has been around for quite a it few has. years. It's, uh, it, it, they've done a great job with their branding cause it's impossible not to, <laughs> to look at that and chuckle a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but to know that that event's been around for a while and, uh, clearly has some branding and, and naming power behind it. So congratulations. Stan man says everyone and their brother are getting disc golf tours. Yeah. Uh, that's what, that's what we're seeing from an exploding sport right now. Everybody wants to be, try to get in on a quote unquote, a ground level to start a tour, whether it's a master's tour or a women's tour, or a junior tour, your local state tour, a Midwest tour. I mean, there, there's, there's ample opportunities to play and participate and volunteer and help. Yeah. And, and that, that again speaks to just the, the, unlimited potential for whatever suits your fancy right mm-hmm. if you if you have a specific motive or drive or initiative or business plan or idea or whatever the case might be there there is a market for it more now than ever before mm-hmm. and and that can speak to catering to these individual groups and divisions i mean if if you're going to start some kind of you know, car rental, long-term car rental company to our European competitors that need to travel around the country. I mean, there's a business plan for that. I'm going to go write it. No, you're not. Okay. I'm not, (laughs) but there is a business plan out there. There's a business idea that somebody could run with. So, uh, again, thank you so much to, uh, Chrissy. She says it was late. Um, all good. Uh, we're, we're, we're glad if, you were if here. That's how she is when she's a little overtired and <laughs> yeah, I hate to see her jacked up and ready to go in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't hate to see it. I'd love to see it actually. Uh, yes. All good to go. Uh, all right. Ray says I was in Dallas, uh, when there was an, a bad ice and snowstorm, it seems that their only defense was waiting for it to get warm out. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I think, I think that some grid issues appeared a year or two ago as well that said there the power can grid be some, they don't some struggles. Plows. They don't usually carry salt for no. roads. They there's just, there's, there's I mean, plenty they, of states when they get their, get uh, an inch of snow, they're like, yeah, we're going to call that. We're going to, and I totally yeah. understandable. I think back to a couple of years ago when the tour was kicking off and I had to go to, uh, I had to go to that air, uh, that, uh, that place called Las Vegas and I got a rental car and I'm standing in line at the rental car and it's snowing. Uh, in Las Vegas, it's snowing, and I just remember like chuckling to myself as I got to the car, thinking, "Yeah, there's not a snow brush. There shouldn't be a snow brush in this no. car. Clearly, there wasn't, and nor should there have been, because that's you know, for some, that would be a once in a lifetime experience being in Vegas as it's snowing on you. And uh, we just happened to be out there for it at the time. So, yep, that's uh, sometimes how it goes. All right, other things. In in disc golf news or not? Do we have do we have other things going on? Disc golf news and self promotion. 
Uh, Skip Ace opened up. Ah, Fantasy. I know. <laughs> I got to it. I teed you up for that one. Yes, you did. This is just like the sports betting at the local casino, right? Go on. Just like that, Terry. Uh, <laughs> Fantasy Disc Golf is open for people to register, create leagues, get your friends together. There are custom leagues you can pay $10 to play. It's a one-time charge per year. Everyone gets to play for free. We only, it only costs to create the actual league. Um you can play for free if you want. There's there's survivor leagues. There are regular weekly repick'em leagues. We have all the options for you. And by we, I mean me. Yeah, Johnny I D. I, I, so uh, that we opened that up today so people can create leagues for the 2023 season. This year, some of our updates, we are adding uh, different tours of all things. Um, this was in the plans for quite a while. <laughs> is, there now, a, is there a fantasy league tour? There, there might be a fantasy <laughs> league tour. Um, so if you want to play D, just DGPT Elite Series, if you want Elite Series, or if you just want silver events, or if you want them both, or if you want those in majors, the EPT only, the Euro Tour only, I made a kind of a combined European tour where I, pick and, I picked and choose different events for Europe along with the European Open. Um, with the help of somebody over in Europe to kind of get a general idea of which events would be better than others. Of course, that might all be thrown to the wind now with the announcement uh, of the Pro Tour covering some of the events. Things might change with that, but I think I'm pretty well set in stone. So ultimately, if you're interested, you can reach out to me or just go to skipace.com, sign up, join a f- join one of the free leagues, and and just check it out and play. I, we've got a lot of uh, we've got a lot of plans for the website in the next year or two. But uh, but right now we're pretty well set for 2023, so please get out there and participate, and have fun. And if anyone ever asks any questions, just let them know to go to Skip Ace because I hear that like, man, I've got this spreadsheet. I'd love to kind of just play fantasy with somebody, and inevitably, thankfully, there's someone that's like, hey, you can do that over at Skip Ace. So, yep, been around for a long time. You know, yeah, I usually don't know. I got these videos, and we could be. I could get you into a great commercial spot (laughs) (laughs) that would exclusively support FBO coverage. So if you wanted to, uh, if you you wanted to jump on that, do you have commercials made up yet? I had a commercial a few years ago. Mm. Uh, I haven't made one recently. It's it's funny because I should look at commercials like what you're doing and what maybe other people, or mostly you, is up to (laughs) other... Other people might charge me for Terry. Yeah, I'm going to charge you double. <laughs> and I will take that invoice. You send me the invoice, Terry. Once the commercial's played, we'll see. I'll see you in court. No. Because um, by the time the Pro Tour commercials come out, A, they're very expensive now, and I can't afford that. I used to be able to just slide them in there when I was literally cutting the commercials, and no one could really stop me. Mm. Uh, but now they're like, they've got like checks and balances and eh, stuff like that. It's lame. Got time for that. And they're too expensive for my tastes. All right. Well, I want to, speaking of checks and balances, uh, there was a tweet. The Twitters were active as I'm trying to still get more and more into them. But uh, our friends over at Statmando made a tweet. Uh, I guess it was just yesterday. It feels like forever ago because my days are all starting to blend together uh, after a long tournament weekend. And they had listed... If I just want to quote, it says most wins of FPO majors and elite events. And Paige Pierce leads that. Handedly. 
handedly. 71, if you add up her FPO majors and elite events, that would be national tours and disc golf pro tour event wins, 71 of them. The next closest, which I, I'm, I don't know that a lot of people would know and or even guess this if you're not of, the, uh, of older play, is Valerie Jenkins, Valerie Doss, she had 46. She had a great, great run of national tour events. Just, uh, just she, and, and, and if you're new here. She was dominant. I was just going to say, if you're new here, in, in the generation of, we'll say Johnny and I, along with Jen Allen, who we were talking with earlier, who's in our similar PDGA sign-up ship, if that's the <laughs> phrase, uh, generationally what we've seen in terms of FPO dominance, we were coming in as uh, Elaine King was very much a solid dominating player but she was at just at that time was starting to be overtaken by jk by juliana corver who just turned 52 uh, a few days ago happy birthday to her to jk uh juliana you always say pass the torch some some say it's ripped uh, ripped from your hands <laughs> in, in this hands. case uh but uh then very much went to Des redding who we we were very honored to see her early early beginnings Wisconsin tour. as she was playing here in Wisconsin on our Wisconsin tour, uh, playing throughout the Midwest. Her and Jay uh, they took to touring life very quickly and uh, had the the pleasure of them playing some big events and and being here in Wisconsin, getting to know them at the very early stages of their disc golfing careers. Uh, from Des, who seemed unstoppable, and she was for many years, who has uh, put together 37 elite series and major wins. Uh, from Des, uh, we then saw Valerie mm-hmm. step in. And then Valerie, just like the previous uh, few women, had seemed unstoppable. You would have put all your money on Val almost every single weekend. Uh, unless you're one of these other few competitors, that's pretty much where you were placing your money. Understandably so, she has the second most elite series and majors combined at 46. So uh, 46 of them, not 46 years of age. Um, you know, and of course, there, there's been solid competitors that have continued to be there. Uh, you think of within the scope of that, just that run of dominance we speak of, which is, you know, early 2000s or roughly 2000 or late 90s into, uh, you know, the 20. 2010 kind of time frame. Those are most of the women that we speak of. You had Sarah Cunningham get in there and uh, pick up a world's win. Sarah Holcomb as well. Uh, Sarah Holcomb in 2012 got her win, her world's win. Um, And then we also saw in terms of a world's performance uh, uh, in 2004, we saw, oh my gosh. uh, Come on. Uh, I, I I don't believe I'm drawing a blank, even though I'm looking. Brigitte Lagerholm, Lagerholm uh, we saw Brigitte win in 2004. I was I'm thinking of her face, but couldn't spit <laughs> out her name. Uh, so that's what we mostly saw in those years. And then the baton, in a slower fashion, then it we f- saw transition over to Paige. Because Val like- really was right there every it weekend. Didn't, yeah, it didn't feel like... like <laughs> it wasn't the- as maybe as abrupt... Correct. It it felt very abrupt with um, some of with, the others. With J.K. to Des, and then from Des to Val. I mean, even though there was, I would say, a good two to three years 
where Des and Val, of course, there's would, always overlap. would go back and forth. And and truly, I think uh, Juliana would have had more wins if there were NTs. Yeah, I mean, she just and, and there, pro there was, tours. There yeah. was there was really like a handful of national tours every year, maybe maybe six, six to ten. But those, those, those even didn't those, even start till two thousand one. I saw even those. It was before <laughs> like she she was you know in the prime of her career at two thousand like. 2000-ish. Yeah, like 99, 2000-ish. And then kind of slowly just faded away away from the sport. Obviously, she's back. But it did feel very abrupt until Val and Paige Pierce came in. And and obviously, you know, we saw, what was it, 2017? Val got her last World's win? 2016. 2016. So, I mean, you had, and Paige got her first World's win in 2010. 2011 odd year 2011 2011. i always forget it's like odd year even odd year 2011 so you had five years of those going back and forth with cat in there as well Mm -hmm. it it was a much slower handoff and we've had i mean the page pierce era is still going so figure 2010 we're in what year are we 2023 yep 13 years of page pierce being a dominant force and now I know the, this last year, you know, she only won, what, two majors <laughs> and didn't win many elite series events. Only a couple, two yeah, or three, two, I think two, two, something like that. We're still in the Paige Pierce era, like it or not. I know a lot of people want to immediately look at Kristen Tatar, who had a phenomenal season and, and say, well, you know, it was a nice run, Paige. Yeah, but it's over. But it's not even close, not even close to over for Paige Pierce. I mean, it. It wouldn't shock me if Paige Pierce won five elite events, Tatar won two, and then we had some other people win a few more. That wouldn't shock me at all this sure. year. Yeah. Um, because we know that if Paige is, if her head is in the right space and she's driven, she can do it. She has all the skills of uh, of any player needed in that division. So I know, I, I think you were kind of heading this way. I know there's a lot of people out there that are, that just want to kind of hand to tar the victories already again this year, but well, it's, it's, or, or call her, you know, or call this the great or call last year, the greatest year of all time. Not, not even close. Check your history books. Folks. Yeah, check your history books. And, and again, Tatar had a phenomenal record breaking year. Yes. And I, I wouldn't and call it the greatest clearly, year. Clearly, clearly, in no way, shape, or form, especially with my history within the sport, am I in any way diminishing Kristen Tatar because I'm the first one to be right there as a cheerleader for her as well and say that she is incredible and amazing, and we're going to continue to see her mm-hmm. play so very well for many years to come. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying there's this obvious recency bias, and some people just don't have the history or the background or we're the very, knowledge, we, uh, and, and that's all fine. We're a very young sport now, so suddenly as of the last two years it used to be kind of an we always called it an old boys club up until three four years ago when suddenly now it's it's almost it almost feels like it's a young man's club and that a lot of people don't know the history yeah so it's it um you know there the history obviously matters those stats uh are are to me are almost alarming and in seeing just how far ahead she's been and as you said this 13 14 15 year professional career 
she had a year where she didn't dominate. And there's been a couple other years, of course. Katrina Allen has won PDGA uh, Player of the Year, what, six times? Yeah. I think now. So Katrina Allen, obviously right there in the conversation. She has. She still, though, has 38 of those wins to Paige's 71. So just shy of half of what Paige has uh, accumulated. So my point is Kristen Tatar is going to is is an amazing human and is going to is a world champion is going to go on to win a ton more of events. There's no doubt about it. But you are out of your mind if you're throwing around a phrase just out of just sheer numbers of saying greatest of all time right now and today. It's just it's just and I get it. You that's maybe all you know. You've seen her play against uh, Paige and and Evelina and Hannah over the last two or three years of COVID, and maybe you just came along and and you're relatively new. And I I of course I can understand some of that, but let's put a little context on this and just say, um, it, it, it's hard to now now if Kristen has ten or twelve more years of what she did last year, of course we're we're gonna have a different Which, conversation. I, but that's uh, going to be pretty tough to do. It's going to be very tough to do at, at, at her age and with the young, uh, big throwing women that are coming into the sport. Correct. You know, Holland Handley, Macy uh, Wal- Val- yeah, Valdez, Valdez Walker. <laughs> God. Um, you, you, the Mundahano sisters. Correct. I mean, just, just, you know, Haley King. You've just got so many young Additional superstars ready to move in that are coming in because it didn't feel like that back in our day. It felt like it was almost you had one dominant woman and you had a couple that were competing. You know, we saw on that list, uh, uh, Carrie Burlogger, who toured and played well and won elite series or national tours at the time. It's just now, again, with the depth of the fields, I don't know if we're going to be able to see. I don't know if we're ever going to see anyone be able to touch some of the, the records that Paige Pierce has just because of the depth of the field. It's like, it's kind of like the whole Paul and Climo argument. Like, I don't, you know, sorry, Paul, I don't think he'll ever get to 12 world championships. Yeah. But whereas if Climo, you know, has 12 world championships, now you want to talk majors, obviously they're right there. They're both fighting for that one. Paige and Paul are both fighting for that sure. one more major to see who can tie Kenny. It's we're we're in a we're in a good space right now, um, and I, it's possible. And I, I'm not going to put it out of um, possibilities that we have we will start to see the decline of Paige Pierce. It wouldn't shock me. I guess it would shock me. Actually, I take that back. It would shock me because she's still pretty young. She's what 32. Yeah, in that neighborhood, some right around 32. She has easily. Five, seven, eight more years of competitiveness in her, and maybe longer if she goes takes the Johnny McRae route. Yeah, or the or the JK <laughs> or route. the JK route, who's fifty two and still competing, you know, for top yeah. tens in uh, in our elite series. But also, we've also seen Paige's interests wane and change to different things. So, if I look, you know, I could look back at this in five years and go like, man, that was the end of the Paige Pierce era. I don't think that's going to be true. I don't think I'm going to be saying that, but anything is possible. You know, I, I'm sure the year after, uh, uh, Juliana's last world championship, no one was thinking up, she's done, Yeah, you know, and then it just, it goes away. It's gone sometimes. And again, we're in a different spot. We're in a different sport. Each, you know, each of those women that we've talked about kind of, you know, 
JK walked kind of walked away from the sport. Yeah. She had she had some issues with putting, as we've seen still, and just it took her a long time to come back. Des injuries. You know, she had her hip injury. She's had uh, multiple other things. Val, just a different interest now. She's running the brewery. And maybe that says something to where our sport is at right now in that with the money that is in it for FPO Field, we'll see these women's interests not wane as much. Because Juliana was a programmer is a programmer. I don't mm-hmm. know if she's still doing it anymore, but, and, and, uh, Des had the foundation mm-hmm. that she edge, was running yeah. the edge, the edge foundation that she was working on with at the time. And Val, obviously with the brewery, I don't know if the women these days are going to be able to, are going to have those external dreams or external distractions. Yeah. When, when this when, is, so much, when more this is so much more viable because back then you had to, yeah, <laughs> Juliana had to, about, had to be a programmer to make yeah, ends meet. during the weekdays, <laughs> during the weekdays, you know, Paige Pierce, she's just going to Thailand for, you know, to play and have fun and hang out. And you know, it's, it's a different world we live in now. So and we're very lucky to be able to see the history and the future in the spot we're at right now. Yeah, I, I guess I could summarize my entire thoughts and comments by saying, "Slow in, your roll." In <laughs> yeah, simmer down, slow your roll. One incredible season does not make you a goat. I guess is is how I could summarize it, and I, I just will reiterate for the twentieth time that's that's of no discredit to what Kristen and her season did. And I'm not saying she couldn't go on to become it someday, but. You're you're all too. How's the line go? Tell me you're new here. Without telling me you're new here, you tell me that she's the goat after one insanely awesome season. That that tells me you you just you you got to check your history book. Flip back a few pages. <laughs> pages, get it? Flip back. I don't know. Anyway, hmm. check the notes. Really? I, the, I don't know. I didn't try with that. With the one, pages pun? I don't. I didn't try that initially, but yeah, just my point is check your notes. Because Stat Mando puts it out there, and <laughs> I did like that Ella Hansen uh, specifically uh, did like when I, I I had said, could you please tweet it louder for anyone in the back throwing around the goat phrase all willy-nilly every other day. Uh, no shade thrown anywhere, but stats and numbers and such matter. I, I, I would have gone billy-nilly, but that's just me. I mean, <laughs> if you're talking goats. Oh, that's that's clever. But, yeah, that would have, have been next level, Terry, but uh, you're still on this level. You'll, you'll get to next I'm level. <laughs> you're a bad tweeter. A bad tweeter. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, all right. We beat that one to death, but um, that yeah, just just a little thought from the Twitters this weekend. Hey. Aaron's out there saying Maria Oliva is going to... Uh, Aaron, Aaron says on the board, though, I have a feeling Kristen is going to surprise us all, and I'm curious if you want to elaborate. I, what, you, what do you mean by surprise? So what would be a surprise at this point? I, I mean, if it, if you're saying that in a negative way, like is she going to come back and take seventh at every event? Because that would be surprising. That would be surprising. Yeah, it'd be. It's hard after last year's season. It would be hard to surprise us, short of winning every event. That would be and a that surprise. That wouldn't even be a surpri- that surprising. I mean, it would. It, it would be. It would be a little <laughs> it bit. Seems surprising. in the realm of possibility at least but now. Correct. I, I mean, I, I don't know what she can do to surprise you. Um, that's like saying Gannon Burr is going to come out and surprise everyone this year. Like, no, sorry, <laughs> no more surprise. <laughs> we already uncovered <laughs> we, that one. We 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 know where you are. Uh, she is. I mean, 
as Aaron says, I think she's a real, a real serious athlete. I do think that. I think that we're seeing some of uh, the FPO field truly focus on, and this is not just FPO, actually. It's our entire sport. <clears throat> some of the best players in our sport never thought about fitness. You know? I, I don't believe Nate Doss was ever hitting weight rooms during the tour or even off season for the most part. I don't think I don't think Kenny Climo was hitting the weight room. He he, uh, was, he was a yeah. he was a roofer. Yeah, I was gonna say he was busy. He, uh, he was busy. He was busy shingling roofs, and that's what kept him in shape. I mean, we we, we haven't seen a ton of people that ever focused on fitness for the sport. Now they might be, they might have been some you know in the gym for other reasons, but it wasn't necessarily disc golf. We're seeing that now. I mean, we're seeing people that are really focused and in the FPO field. You know, Ella has been posting videos of her working out. Holland Hanley, we know, works out. Kristen Tatar, I, I was watching her workout. Uh, that sounds really creepy. Um, <laughs> on Instagram, she posted her, like, doing squats with, yeah. you know, it's amazing that our sport is is coming to this. And it's fun to see. You know, Ezra, as we know, is a gym rat. You know, Brody, same thing. I think Ezra works out a little bit. It's natural. <laughs> He's naturally just... Yanked. God like just yes. Uh, it's it's I got the wrong jeans then. You you that's did, natural. You did. You should sneak into his van and steal his jeans. Because <laughs> they won't fit you, I Terry. Did. <laughs> that's creepy and they won't fit you. Uh you know. But <laughs> all right. So, uh, so this, it, it's it's really nice. cool. I mean, Paul obviously he's been he's been kind of focused on fitness now for a while. He was one of the early ones back then, kind of doing uh really thinking about the longevity of his career and what he can do to make himself a better disc golfer. Just didn't have to do it before, man. It's a different sport. I'm done here. I'm old. Get off my lawn, kids. Mm-hmm. All right, I uh, I'll totally sidetrack this or tangent this to uh, nothing related at all. In that I I think I've completed everything that's available for the Afterlife series on Netflix. Mm. I know I've talked about it. it. It takes me forever to get through series because, as I always say, I only do it when I fly, and and then even then I don't always make it a priority. But uh, I did get through. If it's if there's three seasons, then I'm then I'm through them all and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I can't recommend that enough. Uh, to to know that Ricky Gervais is, and I know it's nothing new for him, but to know it that he's essentially every bit of that show in terms of acting, writing it, directing it, producing it, whatever he does. I think he does every single thing. He might work a camera too, probably plays all, uh, all the parts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, I, I just, I think it's a, such a great, um, such a great series that I found on Netflix. Um, We've been watching a little bit. And again, my wife is watching it. I catch it at this mm-hmm, point, but it's, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's called speechless. It's, it's an ABC series, so it's like the seasons are 26 episodes because it's on network TV, mm-hmm. um, which is why I, I and there's not a huge common thread. But basically, it's about a, a family. And I think it's ran a couple of years ago, so which is why it's all on Hulu now, uh, who has three kids. It's very much a Malcolm in the middle. Or I'm trying to think of a more modern, maybe a modern family kind of style sitcom. Mm-hmm. One of the kids has uh, CP, and so he's in a wheelchair and he's nonverbal, but you know, he, he, he can communicate with his computer and he's completely, you know, he, he's 
active and he's a good student and this and that. But it's really funny in some aspects how, you know, the the school is almost like all the kids in the school are almost overly accepting of him mm. to the point where it annoys him sometimes. <laughs> like he he rolls into the literally rolls into the school dance and they're all like JJ and like they surround him and he's just like ugh you know <laughs> and the, the 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 siblings and how they deal with it. But of all the things and again I I think I've probably watched my wife since in the middle of season two I've probably watched eight episodes total. The mom, Mini Driver. What? Yeah, nails the part. I think she's my favorite part of the entire series. Um, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's a must watch considering, it, again, it's a network show with kind of your typical uh, whatever kind of humor in mm-hmm. it. But it's it's a fun watch. It's good. My, my wife has a tendency to lean towards anything regarding disabilities and this and that. And, and she's enjoying it. Some of it's cheesy. Uh, the dad in the series is played by... The guy from Big Bang Theory who had the the really serious lisp. So if you know Big Bang Theory, you'll know yeah. mm-hmm. exactly who it is. Stu, Stu was his name, Stuart, Stuart, something like that. But anyway, it's a fun series. There's nothing uh, mind breaking about it. You're not getting anything amazing. Uh, they've got some good guest stars now and again. I think John John Cleese just showed up the other day as as a guest part. So if if you want a brainless kind of fun thing talking about um kids with special needs and stuff by all means it's good there was one episode where um the boy the the middle child who's a nerd gets to actually kind of date this cute girl and she goes she takes him under the bleachers and then she's like oh man i can't believe i forgot something i'm a total and she drops the r word and he's like oh man because his his brother is in a wheelchair and he's like now he has to make the determination of does he still want to make out with her, even though she, you know, even though she's com- completely like says the wrong thing. And again, ABC sitcom. Huh. So. All right. Uh, speaking of other things to watch, so somebody asked and then somebody appropriately replied and asked uh, if we watch anime. Um, you and I. No. I have not really watched any anime. Like any ever? Really? I mean, I've I've caught I think just like a little bit, but nothing nothing serious. I I I you know, no. No. I like how Ray says I can guarantee that Terry has watched zero anime. Johnny probably has seen some DBZ and like Dragon Ball Z, no. Mm-hmm. And possibly a few more classics. No, actually, I, I've I've never really got into anime. Uh, I'm I'm sure there's good stuff out there, but it it just uh, has never. Uh, okay, so the fact that you don't is I don't want to say is a little surprising, but you to get, some it might be. Yeah, it, it would it's be a probably a little bit surprising. It would be right up my alley. Ray, you've absolutely nailed it. I I have I have watched less than sixty seconds, I think, of anime in my life. Um, here here would be my challenge or my rebuttal to that though. I would like somebody to send me. The single best episode or movie or movie that'd be like oh, God, probably that's... something like Akira. The single best, what and it clearly it won't be universally uh, regarded as such, or maybe it would. I doubt it because there's so many different uh, opinions and, and uh, it's subjective. But send me what many would consider the single best anime episode or movie or something for me to look at. Like if you were going to try and sell me on it, send me to the single best 
episode or display or example of anime. And I think I should try it. <laughs> should really get outside my comfort zone. I should try it. I, I'm not going to lie. I have pretty low expectations. I'm going to guess I won't like it, but I, I would be willing to at least take a look. So p- people are mentioning a couple of things. Voltron. I watched as a kid. If that counts as anime. Um, I did watch. And, and I know it is anime. Technically the, Oh God, what was it as a kid where they all got into the giant mech machines? I know that barely narrows it down for anime people. Um, Macross. I think it was it was called Macross over in Japan. I forget what they called it here. I watched that as a kid. Robotech. I watched Robotech. Yes. As a kid, I watched that. And someone's saying Avatar The Last Airbender is American anime. Uh, I mean, That it, probably gives me a better chance of liking it, it. It maybe is technically American anime. I love Avatar The Last Airbender, the cartoon series, as well as Korra. Both of them are phenomenal. I'm looking forward to whatever else they do in the future. But... My, my watch it with my kid. I think it's probably the best animated series that is out there. You still wouldn't like it, Terry. I was just, um, uh-huh. in general, I don't see you watching a cartoon ever. So maybe Rick and Morty a little bit, but even that you're just not, it just doesn't. Yeah. It's not you. So I guess those kind of, but you know, to me, the typical Japanese <laughs> anime is not, it's never been my, my thing. Again, I never, I watched Dragon Ball Z or Gundam or, uh, you know, I, I did watch one episode, I think of attack on Titan. And again, I, wa- I turned like, I think it was whatever episode. And I was like, eh, all right. Maybe if I watched it from the very beginning, um, I think I watched the Castlevania series on Netflix. I guess technically that's anime. I watched it though, because it was, because it was a, a, a Nintendo franchise. Mm. So I guess technically that maybe that's considered anime, but, I, but yeah, I, I wouldn't consider myself an anime viewer in general. Nova says, I totally see JVD as a Macross fan. Makes perfect sense. Funny thing, Nova, that, yeah, I watched it when it was called Robotech. And my understanding now after the fact was what we got here in America was like chopped up versions of Macross. And so at one point, way back early internet, I started to try to find the actual Macross. And I ran into a guy at work when I worked at uh, GE Healthcare, I think, that had like the DVDs of it. And he lent them to me, and I never, I, I don't think I ever ended up watching them because he had them in the original in the right order or whatever the problem was. It just at that point seemed like too much of an undertaking. I was like, oh gosh, now am I going to be, am I going to be this guy? And I, I just, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I just couldn't. Interesting. Well, um, maybe I will, I will uh, give it a chance. I you mean, know, I do have some long flights coming up, you know, to Thailand and back and, uh, some long international flights with lots of different things on as options, uh, probably in some in-flight entertainment. So uh, maybe maybe I will give it a chance. Again, I, I have pretty low expectations for the chance that uh, I'll enjoy. You're not going to enjoy it, Terry. I'll tell you right now. Uh, the real question is how long before I just have to turn it off? Oh, I give you nine minutes yeah, i was gonna say you think i can make it 10 minutes give you nine minutes and then, like i think you could go longer if like you force yourself but it, like in a natural like, environment okay, this is you'd this sit is down you'd be like this is just not yeah not hmm. not for me okay well i guess i guess we will see uh let's get to the real questions that logan asked terry do you sell boxes and packs of 50 or 100 only uh yes essentially yes uh they are considered oversized when shipping them so it's insanely expensive to ship 
100 boxes. Uh, insanely, that's maybe an overstatement. It's expensive to ship 100 boxes. They only weigh about 10 pounds, uh, or actually, or yeah, 20 pounds, sorry. Um, but if I ship 100 of them to you, or if I ship 50 of them to you, it essentially almost cost me the same because uh, of the dimensional weight shipping. And so if I shipped five to you, it would cost just as much as if I shipped 50 to you which would be an insane amount. So short answer is uh, right now, 50 or 100 packs. If you happen to see me at an event or you know I'm coming to an event that I'm driving to, I'm more than happy to bring some along and hand some off and give everybody a, a little bit of a discount in that way but or at an event or whatever. But yes, 50 or 100 packs. Uh, you've got some buddies, let's hope. That if 100 is way too many for you, um, you know maybe you could split that with your, with your other dis-selling buddy across the across the city and then you guys you know go that route uh little little update um my my marketing and uh inventory managers the shicks have uh redone my website and so it is now did they move it to geocities (laughs) yes it is (laughs) it operates much better you can choose uh, also your own MySpace song while you're there. Oh, you should you should put songs on while people look. <laughs> There's a lot of blinking text, so that's great. So tell me it has an under construction animated GIF. Like yeah, a, a guy construction digging. Construction guy digging on the front that just says under construction, as all websites did at one point. Uh, uh, are you but, are you part of a, a ring, a disc golf ring? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so it it just has a different, a little bit look, different look and feel to it. Uh, you and I had a, a conversation. It'll probably get ultimately a different theme laid over the top of it, uh, but it definitely has the basics. But more importantly, maybe it's on the uh, it's overlaid on top of Shopify or it's a Shopify based account, That's a good which idea. many people, are, of course, are, are very trusting of and uh, has become a very much an industry standard. So it's on Shopify. And of course, that's shop.thediscgolfguy.com. Some people were trying it out this weekend, and I appreciate each and every one of you that did. Pretty I've great. got the Lazat. Uh, dis out there as a as a we we have a very limited presale. You heard my speech about presales last week. How I get nervous about them, so I don't want to overpromise. If I'm going to disappoint people, I want to keep it to a minimum. So uh, we do have a that out there along with some other discs. Of course, double G jerky, my disc in a box, all those other things. And then if you're looking for a custom like disc golf guy stamp disc, we have a bunch of those out there. And and coming to the site soon. We may have some Smashbox stamped this as well, what, so what? that that may those might make an appearance there soon. That would be a good idea. So uh, that's all out there, and I appreciate all of you guys. Uh, tons of you, not tons, uh, a handful of you went out there and did some shopping this weekend, which definitely helps support the coverage that I'm doing. So appreciate you all. All right. <clears throat> Terry, uh, where are you selling discs? Oh, I didn't even see that, but they're on, they're on the website. There's a good amount of them there. Um, uh, spoiler: the like super super goody goodies are are may never see a website or or the light of day again. But uh, there's a ton of good stuff out there. I'm just saying, like you know, your your first run star destroyers aren't listed on there. My 2015 Nate Sexton Firebirds aren't listed for sale on. Why there. not? All for good. You reason. should put them up because I don't want to sell. You them. should put them up there for uh, insane amounts of money and just see if somebody bites. Yeah, on it. sure. Like a, a, 20, a 2015 Sexton Firebird, eight thousand dollars. See who bites. I mean. That might be the only chance that some people have in getting them. That's true. I mean, listen. <laughs> Supply and demand, right? That's what I'm saying, yeah, Terry. But I saw it there. 
said eight thousand dollars, so I took it. So, uh, <laughs> um, yes, all that. Uh, so there's a there's a ton of good stuff out there, but like I said, if you're looking for all like my collectibles and and crazy discs, those aren't listed on the site. And and like someday, and I keep saying, keep telling you, we need to do this. We're we're going to do a, a, a an in the box with Terry Miller, oh, yeah. where we just drag out a box and you go through it. But on top of that, um, we should take photos of everything that you have in general. Yeah, that would be a good um, idea. For, for insurance purposes, but also for just to tease people. <laughs> That's always fun. Um, so are you getting any Lone Star on that? Yes. Uh, I don't have any there yet, but there absolutely will be. So um, I, I just got to get up to speed with that. How about some of the uh, the, the BL putters? That we just, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a no brainer that uh, also some of those are going to be consumed right. as well. It makes sense. Up. Um, where is the legacy love? There, I have some, uh, they're in the bins. I don't know if they're photoed and on the site or not, but I definitely have a, a quite a few stacks of them, uh, all on uh, in person as well. That's where people can also get stuff. Uh, and I do want to quickly shout out, um, this is a little bit well this definitely relates to post-production but also in general i have been talking to a gentleman that um runs his own well him and and another business partner they run the distinguished doodle and they have uh products of course for your dog or i think humans too uh but they do offer up uh shampoos conditioners and all sorts of things they have groomer packages um he he's a disc golfer and wants to get more involved with disc golf clearly meshing together uh his background his history his love uh for pet and skincare products and then also now becoming a disc golfer and had reached out and said hey i want the world to know about this so if you're interested in learning more or you just go to the site tell him the disc golf guy sent you i don't have a code or anything like that right now but uh he stepped up uh, he's out of arizona and said that he wants to get involved with supporting uh the efforts that i'm doing so Smashbox here is part of that effort, along with the Disc Golf Guy channel. So just wanted to make sure that you guys know about it. The DistinguishedDoodle.com. You can check out uh, stuff. They have all sorts of information out there about the various pet products. He says, um, I want to just read from the site when it says um, they have probiotics. And they said when probiotics serve to strengthen barrier uh, integrity and increase skin's defense mechanism support good bacteria while reducing bad bacteria and pollutants that probiotics uh, just made you poop no see that's what that's why you need to read the faqs here I, help sure balance the skin's ph and reduce inflammation increase and preserve hydration so on and so forth so anyway uh he's got a long-standing history within uh, professional skincare products and then has brought that over to your dog and pet care products so throwing it out there i i guess the the, the shortest way to say that is if you're going to support anyone uh you might as well support a disc golfer in their endeavors and uh he's supporting disc golf so we appreciate it johnny's going to pull up the list of patron supporters we appreciate it very much is I'm going to answer any other questions here from the board. Send a link in the chat. I just did that, Ray, if you were talking about uh, the Distinguished Doodle. Again, please, um, or don't. I was going to say let them know you're a disc golfer, but you don't even have to do that. I just want to see. I wouldn't know where I'd go get dog shampoo, and so I feel like if you're going to buy some anyway, 
you might as well buy something I mean, from a disc golfer. In general, I think I would just go to a store, but I'm sure they don't have nearly, you know, as good of a product as what this guy has. So like, yeah. if I cared about my dog, I'd probably get something good. <laughs> now, if, if I didn't care about my animal, I'd probably just go some random pet store where you never know what you're going to get. You don't know what they're putting in those bottles. No. I don't trust them. I trust this disc golfer guy, though. He's a disc golfer. Yeah, exactly. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Let's see what else is out there. Uh, John says, I just went to your site, purchase, started the purchase process, and then finished click. States out of stock. I guess someone virtually ripped it out of my hands when I was trying to purchase it. I'm not sure uh, what it, it was. Um, yeah, if, it's going to be crazy if I get to a spot where people are going to complain that, that like they have things, you know, pre-release. Yeah. Stuff and, and how that works within Shopify system I don't uh, know. about, oh, I'm guessing it doesn't necessarily hold, but I, yeah, I hear people say, uh, you know, I had it and I was sitting around looking at other things and it got ripped and then out. All of a sudden cart. it was gone. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's a world I don't want to get in and in. get out. Check it. Um, direct it. Let's begin. I got pooches like double G jerky. I can trust the source. I like it. Uh, a red Simon hex. Yes. As I said, there's a very limited amount. I ordered a ton of them, but I hate the idea of disappointing people. So I wanted to make sure that we only put up a fraction of them on the site. If things go well, once we get the order in, we'll likely then see more added to the site. Um, but I did not want to, (laughs) whatever I ordered, I didn't want that to match what was available for sale. I wanted to have a little extra protection there. Uh, John, another John says nothing is on hold on Shopify. So that's good to know. I, I believe that to be the case. I feel like that's pretty rare that it, that it, that a shopping cart, unless they have like an actual countdown that says, Hey, this is here for X amount of time. Mm-hmm. And even those I don't think are always, uh, necessarily consistent. And, and quite frankly, I didn't expect to ever get to a point where I think there's so many people trying to purchase any, any one given item that, uh, there's this. Excuse me, there's a mad rush for it, but either way. I'm hoping, Terry. Oh, you're not going to be here next week, are you? I am not. I'm going to be in Thailand. Oh, here's a good question. Okay. That I'll throw out to the board. Just for the sake of experience, <laughs> I am oh boy. contemplating oh boy. in Bangkok. Oh, boy. Do I get a haircut there? Oh. I, want, I need a haircut. I want a haircut. Do I get it in the next few days here? Standard place, probably sport clips where I typically go. They they know me there and they offer discounts and, uh, you know, uh, return punches on my card because <laughs> I'm cheap. I'm a baller on a budget, folks. <laughs> budget haircuts <laughs> for this guy. Baller on a budget at great clips. No, no, sport, no, no. Sport, sport clips. There's clips. a big Sorry. difference. Sorry. Big difference. I don't Whatever. I don't have with that that great clips place anymore anymore. Mm. Uh, I'm no sports clips fan now. Or or do I go to Bangkok or Koh Samui or wherever in Thailand and do I just do I go for the experience of of having a haircut there? Why not? I mean, I don't, a, a I don't language know what, barrier would be the starters. I don't know what experience you are, are are looking to have? I mean, I've got a haircut. good excuse, right? If the haircut's terrible, I can be like, like well, hey, I got well, it in Bangkok. Yeah, <laughs> and you're not going to be back for like a month, so. I and and part of the reason uh, I'll, I'll admit part of what uh, is driving this idea is there's a gentleman. Uh, sure. I think he runs a YouTube and or he puts it on Facebook. He speaks 
un- he's like this incredible uh i think he speaks uh mandarin cantonese he speaks like all these crazy languages just amazing he speaks them so well and then he it, part of his his channel is him going to places and then kind of just subtly uh admitting or uh revealing that he speaks so he'll go he you know went in and got his his nails done somewhere or he he'll go into Chinatown or wherever and then all of a sudden he'll just bust out his mandarin and then he gets all the reactions it's it's hilarious i absolutely love watching his videos and he went and got a haircut and he of course you know could interact with the gentleman and and you know and they all first of all most of these videos Maybe he's cherry picking him. I doubt it. Most of these videos, these uh, the the people that he's speaking with will say to him, "Hey, you speak better Mandarin than we do. Like you're, it, it's just impeccable." He lived in um, uh, he's lived in a couple different countries. Uh, I forget everywhere he's lived, but anyways, it's it's just impressive. Him and his buddies do this. So, I guess my question is, uh, when he went and got that haircut, it made me think, like, yeah, would that be an experience or not? So that's that's the question. Somebody says, "How how bad could it possibly be?" That's true. I, I I mean, again, here's here's what I say. I don't believe there's any sort of. I don't believe there's any sort of experience there. Like just no. having having somebody else other touch than your a good excuse, one uh, way other, or another. Yeah, it could be the best haircut I've ever gotten. It could be. I'm not saying it's not. It 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 wouldn't be. But I'm saying I don't think that's an experience. It's not like. Well, no, I don't think I'm getting culturally yeah, enriched. Like I'm not claiming that. Do not get me just, wrong. Just in general, I mean, if you do it, great. If you don't, uh, I mean, that's. I, I guess it just makes for a little bit of a story of like. Sure. Hey, I got my now, hair. if they if they did like a full like shave and a haircut, okay. then you could you could say, oh, it's it's definitely an experience of. Uh, of you know whatever culture wherever you're going to be when you do this um of how they do something along those lines but just a haircut yeah just a haircut uh and, and somebody had asked and, then, and the, this maybe shows that uh, i'm certainly not somebody asked if i was a polyglot uh, I had to look it up too. It's someone yep. who speaks multiple languages, no. and so the fact that I had to look it up should tell you everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Both that, of us, both of us had to look it up. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, absolutely not. I know about this much uh, ASL a little bit. I know a little bit of sign language mm-hmm. to almost get by. Uh, nothing fluent by any means, uh, and I'm I'm a very slow finger speller uh, when it comes to uh, ASL. So no. Uh, outside of uh, that little tiny smidge of ASL, I know no other languages. I, I can speak very little like seventh and eighth grade French. Yeah, of about the six phrases you remember. Uh, correct. Okay. I, when which I, is about five more than I remember. Which is funny because when I read it, I can, I'm much better reading it okay. than, I am, than I would be hearing it because I do remember some things. But speaking it, no, never. Nah. Eh, nope. Nope. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. I, as cheap as I am, I didn't even think about the potential savings, cost savings. Too. Sure, you could probably save yourself like maybe six bucks or something. Uh, I bet you it's more than that. I know, and we, I, I say because Shasta Chris just posted yeah. about like having all this major dental surgery done, like tons of work done, mm-hmm. and it was like ten dollars. Yeah. So that's why I think I, I think if if there's uh, it, hopefully it's relative. I mean, maybe I mean your haircut here is going to cost you what twelve, fourteen? No, come on! I'm big time at sports clips. They like rub my shoulders. It's like twenty two. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah, you I know. To, you go to sports clips and pay $22? I mean, you get... I go to a I get salon. The triple play. I get the triple play. Oh, geez. I, I go to a salon that's near my office, DiCarlo Salon. Uh-huh. And you still pay that much. I pay 25 Okay. But that's like a, a fancy upscale salon. There's nothing not fancy about sports clips. It's called sports clips, Terry. <laughs> like, they if, wear here, referee uniforms there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like here, here's how and I, it's like two minutes from my house. Yeah. And, and and again, I I ain't got time for no salon. I I I do it on my lunch hour. It's great. I don't care. Um. <laughs> I, I, and <laughs> I, I, I I see. I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, he's he's cheap. He's going there. He's gonna pay like twelve or fourteen dollar hair thing, and they no, come up no, for tip. That's wow. like Well, to be fair, you can't get a haircut anywhere for twelve or fourteen dollars anymore. I don't know. I don't usually. I, go I know Salon else. Boy. I don't go. I know anywhere. you gave up on you know. That's those, actually those not true. I, I, I a went, while ago. I actually went to a Great Clips a couple of weeks ago because the I wanted to get a haircut. I think it was before the holidays, and I couldn't get into the salon that you normally go to near near my office because they were booked right before the holidays. And I was like, ugh, I really need one too. So I I actually went to a Great Clips here nearby. And just was like, okay, just trim it. That's all I want. Just trim it. You can't mess it up if you just trim. And uh, and went from there. Well, I'm going to get an official source here. Luke Butch, Nigel Mills. I've been had a few chats with them here tonight. Right. Uh, of course, there are our gracious Thailand hosts, and I know they're up. And I have just officially asked Luke as to how much should a haircut cost me in Bangkok, uh, either there or on the island of would, Koh Samui. Now, I mean, uh, if it's as cheap as everything, I'm thinking like five bucks. I would think. Yeah, which is about fifteen fifteen hundred baht. That, sure. No, no. Five, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's about fifteen hundred baht. Right. I do my math right there. Somebody. <laughs> Ray says, "Look at these lucky dudes in their forties flaunting their magnificent, <laughs> magnificent manes of hair." Uh, I, I, I will say, Ray, that I'm, I'm very happy and fortunate <laughs> that I have what I have. Um, as opposed to what I thought I was going to have when I was younger, just due to looking at family and relatives, <laughs> you know, the, I think I've told the story before on the podcast. When we were kids, my grandfather bald has been bald as long as I could remember. Um, he passed away like 10 years ago, but I mean, he, he was 90. So anyway, so since he was like 50, when I probably knew him, maybe in his late fifties, he was bald. And he told us the scariest story as kids. He was like, yeah, kids, this is all going to happen to you. I was walking down the street one day and it all fell out at once. And as kids, when you're like six, seven, you just believe him. You're like, oh, geez. So I, I, all I thought is growing up, I was like, all right. I'm, I mean, it's not all going to fall out at once, but I'm going to be bald growing up. You know, grandpa's bald on my mom's side. And, you know, I, I uh, my dad's father had passed away before I was born. So I never knew him. And dad was bald, balding. My uncles were. And I was like, all right, well, I guess this is what's going to happen. See, no. that's. No, that's uh, that's where you're doing it wrong. You just got to be adopted like me. And then you don't know your family history. <laughs> exactly. And that's great. All right. Great news, folks. Uh, the Googles, the Googlays has officially told me cost of a haircut in Thailand. Most haircuts for women and men in Thailand start at 200 baht. Now, this is in early 2019, which is approximately 650. That's close. Yeah. Five bucks. Uh, very cheap salons and go and can go up to 400 baht. $13. So yeah, 500 bots about $15 uh is what I was saying. So yeah, so somewhere between mm. 
probably six and i mean they're they're saying salons yeah six and thirteen dollars yeah i mean so in theory men's haircut uh 349 bot um okay yeah i don't know (laughs) i can save a few bots and a few bucks i mean you do you terry whatever whatever (laughs) makes you happy (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, that's what i that's maybe what i should do i should go i should now seek out the fanciest salon right yeah. and then still have it only come to 30 dollars. but it's like it's their top level yeah because i which would maybe be like 50 or 75 the, here but i go big time there what's the most you've ever paid for a haircut you know like 22 dollars. what i was just saying yeah Paid fifty once. <laughs> I ain't got that kind of money. Neither do I. Yeah, you do. I, the, I think I, I think I've told this before too. There was a, a salon that opened literally in the same complex as my office, and the like the day they opened, they were still like moving shit in, and so I went in and was like, "Hey, you're new here." I, I, I he's like, "Yeah, whatever." Sit down. I was like, "Hey, I'll get a haircut." Literally, there was no nothing on the walls yet. There was no pricing. There was nothing. I was just like, "All right, cool, yeah, haircut." I was thinking, at worst case, what's a twenty five dollar haircut or a thirty dollar haircut? No. When I was done, he rang me up, and it was fifty. And I remember thinking, like, at this point, you can't say, "Like, <laughs> I'm good, I'm good." Well, here, uh, here's thirty instead, you know. Yeah. And because and during the uh, the haircut, he was telling me I was, he cuts he had cut hair for. A lot of the Bucks players, he'd cut hair for, I think, the mayor of Milwaukee at the time, Tom Barrett. He was like, it was an ups- I knew it was a kind of an upscale place, but I didn't expect that kind of upscale. I never went back. He's still there. He's still in our office complex. I never went back, though. And, uh, and, imagine that. And I didn't tip, either. Mm, so I figured at 50 bucks, that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he, that works. I hope he's doing well. I hope he's doing well. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's it's a done deal. I I am officially, it, I, and I may even no. I, I depends on how much I have for a layover. I was going to say, could I just would I do it in a? But then I'm not in getting to Thailand. Yeah, I'm not I'm not getting to Thailand to do it. And that's I don't know. that's Air, kind of the airport haircuts. I would that would scare me. I don't know. I mean, so yeah, that's the plan. I'm going to wait till I, I I'm I'm going to suffer through all of this shagginess. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm going to suffer through it until. It, it, until probably yeah. next Monday or Tuesday, then you should do it and then ask for frosted tips. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show him a picture of like Justin Timberlake from like ninety nine or two thousand one, yeah. whatever, and be like, "Yeah, me, me, mm-hmm. like, yeah, mm-hmm. huh? can we do this?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you definitely should. Uh, that's what I'll do. All right, and in order for Terry to pay for this, <laughs> Patreon.com slash Smashbox TV. If uh, for as little as a haircut a month uh. <laughs> in bot in Thailand, yep. I think I don't know. Uh, you can you can support Smashbox TV. Um, as always, we thank everybody who is a Patreon supporter. Again, for as little as like a dollar a month, you can be eligible for one of our giveaways. Terry Miller, we have like 156 people eligible for our giveaway. I like it. Yep. Uh, what exactly? Oh, I can't find. I think we should give away a haircut. We should give away a haircut. <laughs> um, I think I need to go you there. You got all your numbers that you you got all queued up over there? Yeah, but it's not showing. I, 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 this, I should not be this excited about the idea that I'm going to go. Yeah, I can't. For some reason, it's not allowing me to show my screen. Oh, maybe if I... Are you already doing it? 
No, no, no. I, I, I tried to show the screen, but it won't, it won't for some reason show the screen. Uh, I, All Benjamin right. says, well, go ahead. Anyway, just go ahead and uh, go ahead and tell me what number we want to generate. Uh, well, this is going to be my third trip to Thailand. Okay. So three. So three. All right. So then, sorry guys, you're not going to get to see the random or you have to trust us this one time. Cause I wouldn't said, do that. My system is not working the way it was. So our first number we generate is 52. Our second number we generate is 87. And the third number, 132. I sorted them by email address, 132. So I got to scroll up just a little bit here. That is Lindsay Westberg. Congratulations, Lindsay Westberg. Heck yeah. Whoop, whoop. There you go. Lindsay, who is our patron. She's on our, she's on our wall right here. Yeah. She's right there in the middle, right next to Graham. Oh yeah. See? In, in, in between uh, Pilcher and Graham. Wow. Nice. So, thanks a lot, Lindsay. We will, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get that out to you. I'll have Terry figure something out for you. You get my, oh, uh, please. from Thailand, I will sweep up. Oh, your hair <laughs> that's the creepiest thing that you could do but i know her so i know you do she's a wonderful person i don't know i don't think she wants my hair though no nobody does. but she'll get it nobody does <laughs> like he, he, even locks for love is like nah terry we're good <laughs> like uh, there's a little too much red in there for us yeah probably mm, we probably don't want that um what you guys are gonna want Real quick, I'm going to get another plug in there because that's what I do. Uh, we just run three-hour shows so we can plug our own stuff. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> what, what, one the of the plugs. things that I did, <laughs> yeah, not hair plugs. One of the things that I did, uh, got to roll the dice, take a chance, right? Of course, the three rounds of coverage, actually four rounds of coverage. We had two feature cards that came out this weekend um, on Friday. I was able to get out both of those, which was a tall task. We got both of the feature cards out. Thank goodness we had two feature cards because the feature card that you might have guessed would have had the hottest round didn't. The other feature card did, though. So we've got it. Those were released. And we had uh, uh, the lead card on Saturday, uh, as in round two's MPO lead card, and then round three's MPO lead card. And we rolled the dice on seeing if maybe uh, somebody would try and win it off the chase card. So we made sure that was covered in addition to getting three rounds of FPO action. Well, the chase card, spoiler, they didn't win. But there was some incredible golf, and I decided uh, to to switch up the format just ever so slightly. So rather than a normal round plus me doing the solo commentary on it Mm -hmm. for what would have been my fifth round of the action at Vista, I took out all the drone previews because... Now you know Vista after watching four rounds of it. I took out the drone previews, which trims that up by a few minutes. And then I didn't do any commentary on it. I just let it play. And it features Kale LaVisca, Drew Gibson, Aaron Gossage, and Andrew Philomahala. So I've never heard of any of those guys. <laughs> great, Are they good? great card. And there's some great golf on it. And uh, I just decided to do a quick intro and then let it play naturally. Kind of a little bit of a throwback to before commentary was on every single video. And I've just let it play naturally. The front nine released uh, right before the show. And I'll just hit release on the back nine in the morning. So tell me if you like it or not. I I thought it was just kind of a different way to go about it. You're going to do commentary? No, I'm not. Not not planning on it. I didn't know if you were going to do a second version. No, I'm not planning on it at this point. I was like... Let's just let it play. I mean, people get to see the golf, and uh, they they now know the course pretty well, and they know these players pretty well. So, yeah, let's just let it play out. So, 
It's released. If you like it, great. I was. I almost hope you don't like it too much because that means you don't want my commentary. But no, mm. uh, it's golf. It's great golf, and uh, I just wanted to throw it out there. And so, for any of you that have feedback on it, I'd be interested. Some may say, "Hey, I I don't like watching golf without any that, insights." I do see that because I think uh, Gatekeeper also does something like that, where they post a commentary version and a and a uh, a natural version, and there are people that are like, "Yeah." Yeah, you need commentary on this. I, I, mm. I can't watch this or something like that. And Interesting. So, and someone's like, yeah, there's another version. Go go watch that one. Because mm. uh, there are people that do love it. Sure. But, but there are a, there are the small few that are like, yeah, I can't watch this without commentary. And I get it. Like, yeah, and if it was, clearly, if, if it was to. the final card, uh, lead card, and the winner was there, it would be a different story. But it's it's truly, by definition, in my opinion, bone. I mean, you should, there was at one point where I thought about, like, why even put it together, but... You should just intro it like that, like, listen, these guys sucked. I expected them to be better. So I don't even want to watch this. My intro's time. not that far off of that. No. I don't want to watch this <laughs> again. So it's going to be commentary free. Yeah. Enjoy no. the natural <laughs> the sights and sounds. Uh, yeah. Um it was at Vista. Did you get any interference on the back nine? I did. Okay, so we know we also know though it. I think it can be fixed with the right equipment because sure. uh, an, another gentleman brought a different cord uh, and or microphone and his camera did not grab okay. the interference. So could my be, two cameras maybe did a, grab a the interference. shielded cable or something there. There, there is definitely something that is for, legitimately interfering with it. Yeah. Back and, on, on whole uh, 11, seven, 10, seven, nine. 10 and 11. Yes. All of those. There, there is something in the area of Vista that is caught that causes a, some sort of electrical interference, like a hum or a buzz. And we've Terry has noticed it for years. And I was, I was jokingly think about it after the fact, but you, maybe you can prep for it for Memorial, either get different microphones or, um, or or some sort of shielded cable. Maybe that will help, help with uh, whatever interference you're getting. It just hit me. And of course, I don't think anyone here on the podcast Really cares about that. So we're going to wrap this up, Terry Miller. I got more. I didn't talk enough this weekend. Oh, God. It's been great. Thank you, guys. Thanks for all the love and the support this weekend. Also, uh, congrats to our champions, as we mentioned earlier. Jennifer Allen, along with Andrew Marweed, Pete Uliberry, and anyone else that was there as part of the event. Uh, it was awesome yet again being in Arizona to do our thing. We're looking forward to being back for a really big production come the memorial. Uh, that's in part, again, thanks to our friends at First Light as well for making that happen. Chrissy Fountain, keep kicking ass. I, there's no better way to put it. You and your staff and your crew and your team, uh, we're excited to hear. We'll, we'll we'll be looking for some updates as the year goes on. I know you're going to have a very busy year, but we'll be looking for those updates on what you're doing with that entire uh, women's only circuit and tour down there in Texas. We Nothing but love and support for you. For Johnny V., I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. This has been Smashbox TV's podcast, 439's After Show. You may or may not see me next week, but if you do, it's going to be with my fresh haircut. We'll see you then. <laughs> you step inside the Smashbox. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 